So many of you know this. If you don't, I'll let you know. I was a missionary in a country called Vanuatu about 22 years ago. And Vanuatu is a chain of 83 islands. It's in the South Pacific. It's called the untouched paradise because it's like it's been for thousands of years. I mean, just brilliant. Every day was 88 degrees. The water was cold, though. It was 87 degrees. (laughs) White sand beaches. The people were the kindest people. Like, as a group, the kindest people I've ever been around. I actually was on a plane, and I was sitting next to... um, She was the UN head over that whole area. And I was asking her all kinds of questions. You know, we have that opportunity to just pump people for information. And I said, who are the nicest people that you've ever been around? She said, the people of Vanuatu. They're just, it was just awesome, right? So I got to teach the Bible there. Like, man, I watch TBN. I preach the gospel in paradise. God must love me. Kind of that idea, (laughs) all right? But Vanuatu had some very interesting things about it. One of them that I'll talk about today is there's this island called Tana. It's one of the 83 islands. It's pretty remote. And on Tana, there's this cult. It's called the John Frum Cargo Cult. And here's what appears to have happened. In World War II, there was 250,000 U.S. servicemen in Vanuatu. So there's still remains of it everywhere. And it appears one of these servicemen got into a boat and was exploring around and ended up on Tana, this remote island. And he gets there and he comes ashore, he meets the people, and then he gives them some like military fatigues and some rations, and he gave them candy. I was there 20 years ago. They still didn't have candy. They had this stuff that was their dessert that they told me, oh, you've got to try this, Matt. It's called Lap Lap. Finally, one day I got to try it. It tasted like a sponge dipped in goat milk, right? So these people come, this guy comes ashore. He's got candy. They're like, what is this substance? We worship you. It's what we do in the kid's wing every Sunday, (laughs) right? So he ends up saying, "Uh, my name is John. I'm from America. So they just shortened it to John from, right? So he was called John from. Well, he has to leave. He tells them this like we always do. Hey, I'm going to come back here. You guys are awesome. And when I come back, I'll bring you more stuff. Well, that's stuck in their heads. And now when I was there in 1999, they would still march around their island dressed up in military fatigues. They would make these medals out of like bottle caps and tinfoil and whatever they could find. They would carry around an American flag with a red cross flag underneath it. Every morning they would say the Pledge of Allegiance. They would sing the Star Spangled Banner. Like they're better patriots than most Americans. Like you're like, what in the world, right? And here's the thing. They believe anytime John Frum will come back and he'll give them everything, airplanes and boats and clothes and candy. And here's the kicker. In 15 minutes, John Frum will teach them everything there is to know on planet Earth. So their kids do not go to school. The government will go down there and try to get their kids. Nope, no. Still, to this day, they don't send their kids to school. Why would you bother going to school and sitting there for year after year when when John Frum comes, we'll learn everything in 15 minutes, right? So you have this lie that now has for generations stunted an entire island. It's sad. We're in the book of 1 John. Now, 1 John, John the apostle was not fighting the John Frum cult with all of its promises that were lies. He was actually fighting 
a group called the Gnostics that were just coming, and they made very similar stuff. They said, hey, if you learn our secret, Jesus is great, but we've got an even better secret. And if you come learn our knowledge, you'll get anything you want. It'll unlock the secrets for you, right? So John is fighting a very similar tendency in us to believe lies. And he starts to equip you and me to be the kind of people that don't believe lies. So that's where we're at right now. It's 1 John chapter 4, a brilliant little section, and we're going to take it apart piece by piece, that God would give us wisdom and that we could be a people that live in the truth and not in lies. So verse 1 says this, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. Number one, be, be a skeptic. I think Christians should be the most wary people on planet earth. Here's why. The Bible tells you and me that our enemy can appear as an angel of light. That what he says and how he brings this stuff, it can seem so enlightened and so popular and so, wow, all of us should be a group of people that are big time skeptics, discerning, right? We should be the first people to say, that is wrong and that is evil. But Matt, that's so judgmental. Yes, it is. Yeah. That's what Christians are supposed to be. Well, that doesn't seem right. We're judgmental all the time, right? If you want to help in our kids' ministry, we make you fill out a background check. You know why? Because we're judgmental. And we don't want pedophiles in our kids' ministry because you can read church history and it hasn't worked out well. So we say, yeah, we're going to discriminate. No, you can't be back there. We do it all the time. Our government does it, right? We tell drunk people, you cannot get behind the wheel of a car. That's so harsh. Yeah, because you kill people, right? We don't let people smoke cigarettes inside. Why? Because secondhand smoke kills people. So we say, that's wrong. You can't do that. We do it all the time. Oh, Matt, those are easy. That's like physical stuff. Isn't John talking about spiritual stuff? Like, like how do you judge spiritual stuff? Here's how. One of the ways. It's Acts 17 and verse 11. And this is what it says. It says in Acts 17, 11, I can look it up. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word, what I'm doing right now, with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. I love that. We're supposed to be like these Bereans were. Yeah, listen and receive and then check on it. We should be checking on it. I absolutely love to get emails from people. I spend the part of my Tuesday answering people's emails. And I don't mind people that say, hey, I'm not sure about what you said. And to go back and forth on that way. You know why? Here's why. I have been wrong before. 
I know it's shocking to you. I've been wrong. Ask my kids. They will tell you. Okay? And so I welcome it because I know, hey, man, I'm supposed to be growing and listening. Praise God people are checking the scripture and trying to see, is that right? Be very wary of professionals that are know-it-alls and will not receive rebuke or correction from the congregation. That is a dangerous person. Be very wary of that, okay? And I was shaped probably on this by a book I read a bunch of years ago. And the book was titled, The Wisdom of Crowds. And the book just tells what it's about. Like, actually, there's a bunch of knowledge, collective knowledge in crowds of people. If you're willing to do a little bit of harvesting and reaping in there. So they gave a couple examples I've never forgot. The first was this. They had this big jar of jelly beans. They knew there was actually 850 jelly beans in it. They took it to a college class. They set it on the table. They asked the entire class, guess how many jelly beans are in this jar? The numbers were all over the place, too low, too high. But they averaged all the numbers together, 871, 97% accurate, right? The wisdom of crowds. The other one was this. Remember that show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Just the stupidest question in the world. Now I'll keep my 10 bucks, right? I don't want to be a millionaire. Well, in that show, you had these lifelines. You could phone a friend, you could phone an expert, or you could ask the crowd. Someone went back and compiled the number of times the experts were correct versus the number of times the crowd was correct. Experts were correct 65% of the time. The crowd was correct 91% of the time. How awesome is that? It's why at Edgewater, we don't want experts. We want you guys. (laughs) You're smarter. I mean, honestly, you are, right? So we're supposed to be a group of people that are, okay, okay, all right? Well, well, how do I get that kind of discernment to know? Well, it's the word. You stay in God's word. There's this guy named David M. He's a Christian researcher, and he gave a podcast a while ago. And he said, here's how you can tell people that will make it for the long haul. Was it church attendance? Which I would like, nope. Studying the Bible? Not studying the Bible, guess what it was? Simply reading the Bible just letting God's word pour over you, just reading it through, not getting into the Greek necessarily or the Hebrew, just reading God's word. The word becomes flesh and it's incarnational and dwells in you and it protects you. Well, how? How about Hebrews chapter four, verse 12? Listen to what the Bible says about itself. It says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This book, active and alive. Active and alive. It's the only book that will grow with you. I don't reread books because I get bored with them. This is the only book I've ever reread time and time again. And what's amazing is this, it keeps growing with me. The more I know, the more it shapes me. The more I grow, the bigger the book seems to get, right? I remember Daniel and the lion's dead and David and Goliath. As a kid, I could understand those stories. 
Now they are so much, 50, 60th time I've read them, they're still more profound every time I read them because this book is active and alive. You know what else is active and alive? A little toddler. (laughs) Moms, did toddlers change your life? Did it change how you saw everything? Did it radically just disrupt everything? Yes. That's what you, this, is like, this is like a toddler that's going to grow with you and it's going to disrupt you and change you and change the way that you see everything because it's active and it is alive and it will protect you from error. My favorite example of this, one I journaled in my notebook when I heard it, was from Charles Stanley. If you don't know him, great preacher from the last generation. And he gives this story about how he was at this conference late at night and he gets into the elevator and he's going up and he's all by himself and the elevator stops and a door opens and in comes this lady, very attractive, dressed very attractively. And he says, ma'am, what floor would you like? And she looked at him very suggestively and said, what, what floor would you like it to be? Yeah, and so Charles Stanley said, how about hell for you, lady? <laughs> he didn't actually say that, he's way too kind. This is it. He said, in that moment, something happened in my head. It was as if God began to bring back to memory all these verses, Proverbs 5, Proverbs 6. The man that commits adultery is not wise. He destroys his own soul. Galatians chapter 5. Don't you know adulterers and fornications will not inherit the kingdom of earth? All these is like the kindling was set on fire in that moment by God's spirit. That's our protection. It protects us from error. The only question is this, are we reading? Are we stacking the kindling around our heart so God can bring those things to remembrance when they're most needed, when we're being trapped, when error is coming? Are we reading? Number one, be a skeptic. Number two, look at verse, end of verse one and two. It says this, beloved, and I have some things underlined. Pay attention to what I've underlined. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many, false prophets. Did he just change directions? Right? Spirit, spirit, persons. Many false prophets have gone out into the world. Number two, be spiritual. John in his writing almost effortlessly changes from the spirit realm, spirits, pneuma, to false prophets, pseudo-prophetes, right? Just like casually, doesn't explain it, just says spirit, spirit, physical. Why does he do that? Because that's what the Bible does. The Bible is always blurring that line between the spiritual and the physical. Let me give you some examples. Acts chapter five, look at this. But a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? Remember that phrase. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. Who's the active agent causing problems in Ananias' heart? Satan. Look at the next verse, verse four. 
while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. So who did it, Satan or Ananias? Yes. Yes is the right answer. It's like these two just blur together. It's like there is this terrible symbiotic relationship between evil and people. You guys know what a symbiotic relationship is, right? Like the Egyptian plover and the crocodile will come in and like clean the, clean the teeth of the crocodile and the crocodile won't eat it. Nemo and a sea anemone, right? They just, they live together. Um, teenagers and TikTok, just symbiotic. <laughs> Parents, and now Instagram. Parents, don't you love Instagram? I mean, honestly, to spy on your kids' friends. Because this is what amazes me. Just teens have no problem posting sin. I'm like, great. Lied you're not hanging out with him, right? It's awesome. Okay, that's what happens in the Bible. There's like this terrible thing where Satan comes and tempts us. Satan comes and he gets us to get all like, mm, about something. And then we, we agree. We go along with it. Satan captivates us and then we consent to it, right? And then a really bad marriage happens and a sin baby is produced and it keeps you up at night. That's what happens. That's what the Bible says. I'll give you another one. Matthew 16. This is Jesus. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Can you believe that? Golly, how would you like to have that said in the Bible? Billions of people to read. Saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you, right? So, listen to what Jesus says. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Did you catch that? Jesus turned, said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on the things of man. Who is Jesus speaking to, Peter or Satan? Yes. Once again, that's the right answer, right? Said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. The Bible, the Bible over and over just seems to say, these two worlds collide all the time. Are you spiritual? You already know it. You'll be driving down the road. Everything will be great. And all of a sudden, it's like a lob dart gets lobbed into your brain. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, anger, lust, greed, whatever it is. Like, where did that thought come from? It's the interaction of the physical and the spiritual world, and it happens all the time. It was last weekend for us. So we do foster care, and we've had this 17-year-old kind of come in and out of our house a number of times, and she came to, to our house this last weekend, and um, I, it was a Saturday night. Um, I had to go get a root canal, at 7.15 at night from Dr. Justin Buchanan, or I wouldn't have been preaching Sunday morning. So I was like, ah, this thing is hurting me, right? So I'm at this little table we have, just trying to keep my mind, like just keep my mind occupied so you don't think about your tooth. So I'm in that kind of space, and I'm at my table, and I've got a stack of books there, and, and she comes over, and, and the stack of books that I've been reading a lot on is on the LGBTQT plus thing, right? So just got this stack of books I've, I've been working through. And so she comes over, she's looking at the books, 
And she starts to ask me about that. And I told her, listen, I'm not preaching at you now. You are asking me my opinion. And I have a real simple thing. If kids are going to ask me my opinion, I will tell them the truth. As age appropriate as I can, as kindly as I can, but I'm going to tell them the truth. If you're going to ask the question, then I think they should get an answer. So, she, so I start to give her the answer. She's like, what? How can you believe that? I said, well, I believe that because of the Bible. You believe that's because of some kind of book? I said, absolutely. It's a book that has guided Christians for 2,000 years and has been really, really successful in doing that. I can't, I can't, you just believe it because of a book? I said, yes. I said, why do you believe what you believe? Well, I believe because, right? Yeah. Yeah, you have no reason, right? So anyways, man, she just kind of, she's getting elevated. Well, 7.15 was rolling around, so I had to leave. I'm like, sorry, sweetie, I got to go get a root canal, right? So I leave. Hour and a half later, get taken care of, come home. Nobody's in my house, which we have a lot of people in our house. I'm like, what just happened? Like, where is everybody? Oh, no, do I need to call 911 right now? Well, my wife gets home about half an hour later, and she said, you would not believe what happened. When you left, it's like she flipped. She's like, I'm going to break one of your windows. Pick the window. I'm breaking it. And my wife's like, no, I'm not picking a window for you to break. And just really elevated, really high. So finally, my wife just said, you got to get in the car. We got to leave because I got my seven-year-old there and, and we just got to leave. So they get in the car. She's like, I'm going to kick out your windshield. I'm going to kill people. Just on, I can go on and on and on. Just really, really just never seen her like this. Just through the roof, right? So finally, it was Fred Meyer, a foster care person. And, you know, long story. So Charity gets home. And this is what she said. And if you know my wife, my wife is even keeled. Right? She is not the one that, because it's hot in our house, that's rebuking the demon in the air conditioner. Like, hell has come and it's in this AC system. Get out of here. She's not doing that, right? But this is what she said. She said, it's like her demon came out. Like something spiritual happened in that moment. And she's been in our house a number of times. We've never had that. But in this moment, something happened. And it was like, it was like the physical and the spiritual world clashed. We have to be a people that are spiritual because the weapons that you use in those moments are not the normal weapons. It's not medicine. It's not common sense. It's not reasoning. That does not work. It's a whole different crew of weapons. Well, what weapons do we use? Read Matthew chapter four today, where Jesus confronts Satan and the kingdom of darkness. It's prayer, it's God's word, and it's rebuke. And in both of those text that we read, it was rebuke. It's a whole different set of weapons. Are we a spiritual people? Are we able to recognize that? Like your home may be cascading it down into just pandemonia, not because there's too much candy, but maybe there's a spiritual reason. Are we a spiritual kind of people? Like the Bible just, you know, it's like nonchalantly just groups that do. Listen, these two things collide all the time and the repercussions are echoed out through physical people, false prophets. Are we a spiritual people? Are we a people that are saying, God, help me to discern when this is spiritual, not physical? Because sometimes it is physical. Sometimes it is too much candy. Sometimes they need to go to bed, but sometimes it's spiritual. And we need to be a group of people that are spiritual if we're going to discern this stuff. And then thirdly and lastly, the test. There are three questions to ask on this test to start figuring out, is this from God or is this not? 
So here's the test. Test number one, verses two and three. By this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. This is number one, the Jesus test. Real simple. And John has been circular on this, right? It keeps coming back to Jesus is God, Jesus is God. So if you have a spiritual experience, you're out in the woods, you picked up something that you found and you ate it. You meet Bigfoot. Aliens appear to you. I don't care what it is. You have some emotional experience. You're up on Mount Shasta. You're contemplating your navel and you have some kind of incredible experience and you start telling me about it. I'm gonna ask you a real simple question, okay? Was the end product, did the alien said, did Bigfoot say to you, repent of your sin and believe in Jesus? If it didn't, it's demonic. I'm super simple on that. It's of the Antichrist. That's what it's supposed to do. Anything that gets my focus off Jesus as Savior, I don't care how enlightened, how smart, how wonderful it is, flush it. It's an angel of light, maybe, but it's not from Jesus. That's test number one, the Jesus test. Test number two, what I call a hearing test. Look at this, it's five. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. Number two, this hearing test. And let me personalize this first. A great way to gauge my heart is real simple. What catches my ear? What conversations do I like? Like, it's a good thing to journal. Like, what, what do I like to talk about? What do I like to hear? Right? Because that tells me what's most important. I can remember when our kids were little, my wife and I would be out on the little patio there and we'd be talking away and the birds would be chirping and the crickets would be cricketing and the, the frogs would be ribbiting, right? Just all kinds of noise. And then my wife would be like, hey, someone's crying. I'm like, where? In Portland? Like, how do you hear that? Because she's tuned in and she has an ear for that, right? What catches your ear? What do you like to hear? Really good gauge of what my heart is after. And John says this, look in, the world's not gonna listen to you. So you can have this incredible revelation, you're reading the Bible and something just strikes you and impacts you and then you go to an unbeliever or a family member that does not believe and you try to share it with them, what happens? Right, they start drooling and they glaze over. You're like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 right? Why? Because they, they have no ears. But you start talking about the nastiest Netflix series and they're going to be all in. Oh, yeah, I love that. Why? Because they're tuned in to Satan. That's what John's saying, right? And this is going to be tough. It can be tough then. Like, I feel sorry for Christians that go on, like, CNN or go on these, like, national, like, it's, it's the world. They're not going to hear you, right? So the, 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 there was this one time that I saw something done, and I said, that's how you talk to the world. It was Larry King live before he retired. He had all these Christians on from kind of across the spectrum. Brian McLaren, very progressive. Um, 
T.D. Jakes, um, Tim and Bev LaHaye, you know, Left Behind series, very fundamental, and then Franklin Graham. And he was asking them these questions. It was just fascinating, like to see the different answers. So he asks about homosexuality. And so Brian McLaren says this, Larry, there's no way that I can answer that question without hurting somebody I love. So he just punts it, won't answer it, right? So Tim and Bev LaHaye are like, hell, like this is a bit harsh. Then Franklin Graham, and he was in the studio with Larry King. He looked at Larry King and said, you know what, Larry? The question is not about gays or homosexuality. The question is about sin. And all of us are sinners. And all of us have been broken by this world. And all of us need a savior. But here's the good news, Larry. Jesus Christ is that savior that you can today receive the free gift of salvation from Jesus Christ. Larry, would you like to pray right now to accept Jesus Christ? I'm dead serious. Yeah, you're just like, that was brilliant. Ha! And Larry's like, T.D. Jakes, next question. Get this thing going, right? That's what you do, right? That's the only question that matters. If not, they're not going to hear you. You get to Jesus as quick as you can. Franklin Graham did that. That's what we're supposed to do. Yeah, okay, you, we can talk about all this stuff. And you know what? In hindsight with my, the, the foster girl, that's what I should have done. I didn't listen. To, I'll blame it on the tooth. That's what was happening. But I should have just said, you know what? This isn't a question about those things. You're not ready for that. That's the shallow end. The deep end is Jesus. That's what I should have done. And I think it would have ended very differently, right? That's how we do it. Hearing test. Hearing test. When the world won't listen to you, just tell them about Jesus. That's it. Stick with Jesus. And thirdly and lastly, is what I call the truth test. Look at this. It's the last phrase, and it's brilliant. By this, these tests, what you hear, Jesus tests, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. There's only two spirits, ultimately. There is a spirit of truth, and there's a spirit of error, and that's it. And truth right now is under attack. It's been under attack for a long time through what was called moral relativism, right? That was a big thing for the last generation or two. And moral relativism was this. There's no absolute rights or wrongs. Something is right or wrong based on your shared experience, based on what you believe, based on how you feel, right? So it's wrong for anyone else to say to somebody, hey, that's the right thing to do, or that's the wrong thing to do. You can't say that. That's moral relativism, right? And so that has guided and created a lot of the problems we have today. But now we're even further than that. It's not just relativism. Now it's just outright lies. Isn't there just outright lies today? Like in our world now, there's just outright lies. Maybe you remember, I remember reading it in high school, George Orwell's book, 1984. And remember, it was written in 1948. Remember what he said, there's going to be just these lies. That war is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. And the last one was what? Two plus two equals five, right? They're going to actually lie about math, the most fundamental language, the universal language. They're going to lie about it. Two plus two is five. Is that happening today in our world? Oh my goodness. I think about abortion. So women were convinced to have abortions because of recapitulation. Do you guys remember what that is? Recapitulation was the idea that 
the baby, as it grows inside a mom's womb, it goes through all the stages of evolution. Remember that? And they had little pictures where one of the embryos looked like a lizard, and they're like, this is the salamander stage. All you're killing right now is a salamander, even though biological science said that's an absolute lie. It was used for years and years and years to help convince people to have abortions. I just, I don't even understand that. Even if you're, if a person is pro-choice, I still can't understand. Why would you convince somebody to have an abortion? It was just nuts to me, right? Downright lie. How about today? It's not a baby. It's just a bundle of cells. There is no scientific person worth their salt that says that, period, right? If you knew somebody that was in a coma and in nine months they would come out and be a perfectly functioning human being, who would unplug them? And yet that happens every single day in our country, right? Or, or this one, this, I just can't believe it. It's a tumor. It's just a growing tumor in you. You're getting rid of a tumor. That's a lie. It is a baby that in nine months will be a perfectly functioning gift from God, right? So you've got these lies. But it's not just there. How about our government now? The U.S. budget for 2022 replaced the word mom with birthing person. What's a birthing person? Is that a person from birth country or what? Like, what in the world is that? Right? It's insanity. What are dads now? I guess mean, we don't even matter. How insane is this? So powerful is this? That now if you go in and buy like feminine products, they're not called feminine products anymore. Guess what they're called? People products. Yes, yes. That's the nuttiness we have today because there was this big hashtag a year ago. Perhaps you remember it. And it was hashtag men have periods too. Remember that? Okay, now I know ladies. You would all like men to experience a period at least once in their life so that they can know what it feels like, right? Okay, no amens on that, I get that. That's not what this is about. This is about the non-binary, transgender people saying, just because I have a period doesn't make me a woman, I can be whatever I wanna be, right? Hashtag, men have periods too. It's insanity, right? The, the, there's this organization called the Doula of UK. It's midwives who help women give birth or birthing people give birth, whatever it is now, right? So they help women get birth. So the head of it had the audacity to say, only women can have babies. She was promptly fired and canceled, right? Very high level lady who just says, I'm, I'm saying the obvious. Uh, uh, only women have babies. No, you can't say that anymore, right? It's just, now it's just like, there, there is a spirit of error in our world that's crazy. I'm telling you, Mom's Day and Father's Day, celebrate them because their life is not long. They're going to be axed. You, you already read on forums and stuff how, how um, inconsiderate Mother's Day is and Father's Day is, how inconsiderate they are, because they're all on the chopping blocks. And if you disagree with the lie now, just like that UK doula, you get canceled. You get ostracized. You get pushed out of society, and it happens all the time. So what do we do? Spirit of truth, spirit of error. What do we do? We do one thing. We continue to absolutely stand on the spirit of truth, period. It has to be about truth. So there is a man I greatly admire. Read one of his books. Actually, I was in Vanuatu, I read it. And from that point on, I kind of paid attention to him because he's really brilliant. 
So I'm gonna read for you. It's a lot of reading, but it's his, it's a, a message he gave, and I'll explain the circumstances of it when I'm done reading it. It's about lies. He says this. And I try to cut it down as much as I can. So this is the question he asks at the end of it. Will he remain a witting servant of the lies? Or has the time come for him to stand straight as an honest man, worthy of the respect of his children and contemporaries? And from that day onward, he will not write, sign, nor publish in any way a single line distorting, so far as he can see, the truth. Will not utter such a line in private or in public conversation, nor read it from a crib sheet, nor speak it in the role of educator, canvasser, teacher, actor. Will not in painting, sculpture, photograph, technology, or music depict, support, or broadcast a single false thought or a single distortion of the truth as he discerns it. Will not cite in writing or in speech a single guiding quote for gratification, insurance for his success at work, unless he fully shares the cited thought and believes that it fits the context precisely. Will not be forced to a demonstration or a rally if it runs counter to his desire and his will. Will not take up and raise a banner or slogan in which he does not fully believe. Will not raise a hand and vote for a proposal which he does not sincerely support. Will not vote openly or in secret ballot for a candidate whom he deems dubious or unworthy will not be impelled to a meeting where a forced and distorted discussion is expected to take place, will at once walk out from a session, meeting, lecture, play, or film as soon as he hears the speaker utter a lie, ideological drivel, or shameless propaganda, will not subscribe to nor buy in retail a newspaper or journal that distorts or hides the underlying facts. This is by no means an exhaustive list of the possible and necessary ways of evading lies. But he who begins to cleanse himself will, with a cleansed eye, easily discern yet other opportunities. It's called Live Not by Lies. It's written by Alexander Solzhenitsyn in 1974. How appropriate is it for today? It was after he was a Marxist, put in the gulags, that's the first book I read by him, A, Li a Day in the Life of, of uh, Ivan Desinisevich, um, and just exiled from the USSR. This was his parting words to them. Listen, live not by lies. That's the name of this article. Live not by lies. There are two spirits, spirit of truth and spirit of lie. And if you don't stand up for truth, there'll be nothing to stand for anymore. We have to stand for truth. We are, the Bible says, the last pillar and buttress of truth. It's right here. When the church falls, there's nothing left. Spirit of truth. Matt, that overwhelms me. It should. I think it overwhelmed John. That's why tucked in the middle here is verse four. Look what it says. Little children, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Never forget, 
We serve a king who came back from the dead. And nothing is impossible for him. And the enemy right now wants to say to the church and wants to say to Christians, you can't stand against this. It's too far. We're too powerful. Culture's lost. People are lost. This institution is lost. They're lies. They're lies. You and I make a pact to say we will not live by lies. Period. I will not watch movies that are full of lies. I will not accept things that are full of lies. I will not sign something that's full of lies. I won't do it. And watch and see what happens. Live not by lies. It's why every Sunday we partake in communion. Guess what we're being reminded of? Jesus defeated death. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. That's what we're being reminded of. And I need to be reminded of that because we have a world that wants to strip me of power that wants to tell me I can't stand up against this. It's too strong, you're not enough. And I come and I take of the bread and the cup and I'm reminded, he that's in me is greater than he that's in the world. I can stand for truth and I will stand for truth. So Jesus today, I pray for us we would be skeptics in the best sense of the word. That we would be spiritual, discerning the overlap of kingdoms. And that we would be those that live not by lies. And we know we need your strength and your power. We know that we have an enemy that's going to whisper to us, you will lose everything. It's not worth it. Truth is worth it. May we be a church that is the last pillar and buttress of truth, I pray. Empower us today. May we be reminded, you walked out of the grave. Nothing is impossible for you. Let's eat of that. And we hold the cup, the cup of cleansing. I thank you how you saved Alexander Solzhenitsyn's heart, brought him out of Marxism, that we will see him in eternity with you because he decided not to live by lies. And he was cleansed by you. I pray for all in here that we would know your cleansing flow. No matter what mistakes we've made, if we didn't say no to the woman in the elevator, if we had an abortion, if we've been unfaithful, if we've lived by lies, greater are you than our sins that we hold this cup today, this cup of forgiveness, that you can cleanse us and remake us in your image. That is our hope, that you are Savior of the world. Save us afresh, we pray. Cleanse us afresh, we pray. Let's drink together. Amen. So we conclude with a song. And after the song, there'll be people up here that would love to pray for you. And maybe you have a tough work environment to live by truth. 
get prayed for. If you want to be baptized, maybe today is your day. And that can either be, I'm now not just seeing Jesus as my savior, but he's also my king and he has commanded me to be baptized, so I'll be baptized. Maybe that's for you. Or maybe you've never accepted Jesus in your heart. And today is your day. And the Bible says, repent and be baptized. Either one, we'd love to join with you in that. If you're doing well, live not by lies. Live not by lies. Tell the truth. Stand for the truth. Would you stand for one final song?